Man, I don't know if I have met a lot of you guys, but I have been a friend of Pastor Joey's for a long time. I've had him come out and speak at my youth group uh, when I was a youth pastor uh, many times, and uh, he's actually had me come out and speak here a few times, but it's been a really long time, and I bet there's probably not anybody here that was, that was here when I came the last time. Maybe, if you were, maybe you were like seventh or eighth grade. But uh, anyway, Pastor and I, Joey and I go way back to the days when you guys may have heard of the legacy of the red team. How many of you guys have heard of the legacy of the red team here at Excel? It's been so long, the legacy has faded. Anyway, uh, we found a magic combination of my youth group and the youth group here with a few other youth groups. We were undefeated any time that we were all on the same team at teen camp. Let's go. So you guys have a special place in my heart because the only time that we've ever won a week of breakaway was with your youth group. So give yourselves a round of applause. You guys are, uh, you guys are incredible. You know, until, uh, until my wife Katie and I transitioned out of being youth pastors, Pastor Joey and I were among, I think we were the longest tenured youth pastors and I'm not sure exactly who was officially at their church the longest as pastors, uh, but now I'm pretty sure Pastor Joey is the longest tenured youth pastor in the state of Illinois with the Assemblies of God. So give it up for your pastor, let's go. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, again, my name is Billy Willis, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Katie. Give it up for Katie, you guys. There's a picture of us uh, up there. And uh, we, are, we are youth, uh, we're youth evangelists and youth missionaries. Katie and I have given our entire lives up to this point and for at least the next decade, at least to your generation, to reaching young people. Because we found that there's something called the 94% advantage that you guys have over everybody else on planet Earth. A 94% advantage. So I just want you to look at, to the person next to you and say, you have a 94% advantage. What does that mean? Well, it also means that if it's true for you guys, it's also true for anybody that works with youth. So give it up for all of your youth leaders here tonight. Because tonight, we have the ability to leverage something called the 94% advantage. What does that mean? It simply means this, is that 94% of the people that will give their life to Jesus will do so before the time they exit high school. 94%. So let me put it like this. If we did a survey of churches all across America or all across the globe, and we asked Christians of all ages, when was it that you came to know Jesus? Did you know that 94 out of 100 would say, I came to know Jesus, or that the foundation of my life was set in place? by the time I graduated high school. That means right now, you guys that are in junior high and high school, you guys have an advantage in your life that you'll never have the rest of your life after you leave high school. You guys have the 94% advantage. You have an opportunity right now that you'll never have the rest of your life to make an impact in people's lives. Uh, Katie and I, we are so passionate about 
youth ministry and your generation in this 94% advantage that we have left the comforts of a job that we had for 12 and a half years with a secure paycheck, friends and family in our church. We had a wonderful, incredible thing. But God began to stir in our hearts a desire to see young people all across our state come to know Jesus. Because I realized that as, a, as, a, as somebody uh, as old as I am, which you may guess that I'm different age than I am, but I'm actually 37 years old. So um, the best way to leverage the rest of my life is by pouring it and investing it into youth pastors, youth leaders, and into students just like you. We have a passion to help people like you discover your destiny. I want you to say this tonight. I have a destiny I want you to say it like you mean it. Say it one more time. I have a destiny. destiny. I've got a calling. And I've got the 94% advantage. Is that like an accent or do you really talk like that? Because that's a cool accent, dude. Bro, I love it. What's your name? What's his, what is it? My name is Edwin. Edwin, all right, Edwin. Bro, I love it. I love it. Give it up for Edwin, you guys. Man, let's go. I like that guy. Well, tonight, um, that's what I want to talk to you guys about tonight. Mark Twain, a, a famous author, once said, the two most important days in a person's life is the day they're born and the day they discover why. Tonight, I want to talk to you guys about your why. Because you've already experienced the day that you were born. Some of you have some idea of why you were born or why God has set you on this this planet. Tonight, I want to be, serve as God's mouthpiece to re-engage your heart with what God has called you to. But before I do, I want to share, I want to share a story of getting pranked. Has anybody ever got pranked in this room? How many of you guys love pranking somebody else? How many of you guys would say it's a lot fun, more fun to prank somebody than to get pranked? Well, tonight I'm going to tell you a story about the time I got pranked. See, I grew up in the 80s and early 90s. I was a child for, well, actually 80s into pretty much all of the 90s. I was a kid and became a teenager uh, towards the turn of this century. I sound so old. (laughs) But I grew up where my sister and all of her friends used to think it was fun to watch Freddy Krueger with Billy when he was four or five years old. Now, I don't know if you guys remember Freddy Krueger from the 80s. Let me just say this. I don't even want to hear the sound of Freddy Krueger. I don't want to listen to it. I pulled a blanket over my head. I plugged my ears as I tried to go to sleep, ignoring it. And my friend thought it was absolutely funny. Well, a group of my other friends found out about it. He went and told them. And so they thought it was fun to pull a prank on Billy. And so one night, uh, I go over to my youth pastor's house I don't advise this as a youth pastor, but uh, my youth pastor was about 20 years old. So he was really young as a youth pastor. And, uh, and somehow they talked him in to pranking me. We used to go over to his house and play board games. 
And so one night, me and my friend Seth were coming over to his house. Everybody was there. We were kind of running traditionally and fashionably late. And so we come through the door and everybody's sitting around a table. The lights are dim. It's kind of foggy. Feels kind of dream-esque. I come in, I walk through the door and they're all staring at each other like they're having a staring competition, except for they're not. They're like in a, they're acting, they're pretending to be in a trance. So I come in, I walk through the door, and all of a sudden, in unison, they begin to sing, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. And then the rest of the song, I don't even want to sing the song, I want to spare you of the rest of the song. But they begin to sing this song, and I'm like, what is going on? This is freaky. And I'm coming in, they're, they're sitting at this table, singing this song, I'm walking in, and off to the left, there's a living room, and on the couch, as I peer off to the side, I see this figure, a silhouette of a dark figure, with a flannel shirt and this hat tilted down. And I'm like, this is really freaky. So I look over, and all of a sudden, I see one by one, fingers with knives taped to them going up into the air. And then all of a sudden, I hear this creepy, scary voice say, hello, Billy. I took off. I ran out of the house. I made it all the way halfway down the next neighbor's property before I stopped dead in my tracks as screaming out the door, no! I got halfway to the neighbor's door before I realized I just got played. My friends just absolutely tormented me with the worst prank ever, and they made fun of me on it. Look to the person next to you and say, don't get played. Don't get played. You see, all of us tonight, all of us have an enemy that wants to play us. The Bible says this in John 10, 10, the enemy your enemy, your personal enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to deceive. He comes to play us. He comes because he wants to keep you and rob you of your calling and destiny. He wants you to get to, get to the point in your life where you just, where all of a sudden you lose sight of eternity and you get played into believing that this life here on this side of eternity is everything. And we lose sight of what really matters we lose sight of the fact that there's an eternity, that there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And not only that, but there are friends and family that need us. I just shared with you one of my greatest fears. The Lord has set me free from the fear of Freddy Krueger. I rarely have dreams. Most of the time, if he shows up in a dream, he's like my best friend. It's some weird, weird dream. But it got me thinking about my other fear. The greatest fear I have, the fear that I hope that you'll live with is this, is that we would ever live an insignificant life. My greatest fear is that someday I'll get to the end of my life, I'll pass out of this life, my body will be six feet under the turf, rotting away inside of a tomb with a tombstone over my head, and my life will have passed out of this life into the next life. And people will show up at my funeral and have to make up stuff to make me sound better than I really was. 
That's the greatest fear that I have. One of the greatest joys is to think at the day that I die at my funeral, there'll be a packed house of people whose lives that I impacted. God wants all of us to live significant lives. God wants all of us to have meaningful funerals someday. See, the the enemy plays us by getting us to forget about the fact that 250,000 people every day die and either go to heaven or hell. The enemy wants us to play us and get us to think that this is all there is and that all there is to gain is on this side of eternity. But let me tell you this, that everything that you could pursue on this side of eternity, every, all of the treasures of today are the, are the substance of landfills tomorrow. Everything that most of the world pursues today will be somewhere rotting in a landfill years down the road. Today, there's landfills that are filled with people's treasures of yesterday. Things that mean nothing to us, that meant everything to them, that they sold their lives for. They sold their souls in pursuit of. The enemy plays us by getting us to think that this life is all there is. By getting us to believe that we're insignificant that our lives can't matter and that we can't make a difference. Tonight, I wanna read a passage of scripture, just a short passage of scripture tonight about something somebody did that was the most significant thing that's ever been done. Something that we can take away tonight. I wanna share with you a little bit about my story and how I grew up as a non-churched kid and how something changed my life and what we can learn from that tonight. Tonight, I wanna teach from this. John Chapter one, verses 35 through 42. Uh, guys that are running the slides, you can just hold off on, the, on it until I get to the passage that's up there. John chapter one, verses 35. The title of this passage of scripture is called The First Disciples. And here's what it says. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. He's talking about John the Baptist. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there's the Lamb of God. There's the Savior of the world. When John's two disciples heard this, they immediately followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following, and he says, what do you want? And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said, come and see. He said it was, and it was about four o'clock in the afternoon and they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him for the rest of the day. And then Andrew, everybody say Andrew. This is the character I wanna to talk to you about tonight and in a moment, he's about to take a step of courage and a step into destiny and a step into significance, into his calling. Listen to what he does something very simple, but something very eternal and something very impactful and very significant. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and followed him. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Savior. We have found the Messiah, Verse 42, then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Andrew found the Savior 
and without thinking very hard, went and found somebody to bring to this Savior. See, for thousands of years, Jesus was the promised Messiah, the Savior, the one that was gonna come and save the world. In this moment, Andrew hears the news and does the most significant thing anybody could ever do and brings his brother, Simon, to Jesus. Then listen what happens. Jesus, looking intently at Simon, said, your name is Simon, son of John, but today, everybody say today. Today you will be called Peter. In a moment, because Andrew stepped out of his comfort into his calling, invited his brother to, to, fight, to meet Jesus. Jesus met with Simon, looked him in the eyes, saw something in Simon and said, you're no longer gonna be called Simon. I'm gonna give you a new name. I'm gonna give you a new calling and I'm gonna give you a new destiny. Your name is now going to be Peter. When we bring our friends to Jesus, we do the most significant thing we could ever do. There's not a bigger thing you can do with your life than bring someone to Jesus. Because when Jesus meets them and they have a moment with him, everything begins to change. You never know the impact you can have in a person's life. You never know how far your simple invite may go. See, Peter went on to change the world. Peter went on to preach a sermon one day and led thousands to faith in Jesus. And one day, in one moment, Peter went on to be one of the most influential men to ever live. Peter changed the world because a young man named Andrew just like you and me invited him, invited him to meet Jesus. I want you to look to the person next to you and say, there's nothing more important that, I can do, that you can do with your life than to lead somebody to Jesus. There's nothing bigger that you can do. The most significant thing you can do with your life is to bring somebody to Jesus. How do I know? Because as a kid that didn't grow up in church, a kid that was insecure, lost, lonely, I know the power of somebody just like you inviting them to youth group. See, I'm the product of a church kid's invitation to youth group. I'm the product of a kid that went to youth group week in and week out, that has stepped out and consistently and simply witnessed to his friend Billy and invited him to youth group. I wanna show you a picture of what I looked like when I was 17 years old. Go ahead and show that up there. This is me and sure, I got all the, I got all the goods on, right? I've got, the, I've got the look. I've got my football jersey on. I'm part of the team. It's part of my identity, right? I'm gaining some clout with with, with people on the football team. I'm working my way into the in crowd, diligently trying to play the role of somebody that belongs, trying to, trying to look tough, 
trying to look cool. I'm going to put on my tough guy look for my football picture, but inside, I was deeply insecure. I didn't believe in myself. And I just wanted somebody to believe in me. I was lonely. In fact, I joined the football team not because I was great at football, but because I wanted a place to belong. I wanted what only Jesus could give me. I wanted what only a youth group could provide for me, a family that loved me because of who I was, not because I wore the jersey or I was on the team, but because I was just simply a person worthy of love and acceptance. And I was lost. I was hurting. I was broken. I was trapped in sin. Oh, that I could come to God the way that I was. I lived years in shame and guilt, thinking I wasn't good enough for God, that I couldn't live for him, that God wouldn't accept me until I got all my stuff figured out. Did shameful things. I did things trying to fill this gap in my heart. Running away from God because I didn't feel like I could be as I was and that God would accept me. I didn't know that he could accept me the way that I was and that he would clean my life up. That he would forgive me on my sins. But there was a friend on my football team named Jonathan Ostrander who all throughout high school witnessed here and there to me. And John was by no means a saint. He wasn't perfect. He had his issues. But he knew there was a friend in his life that was worth reaching. He knew that, that the most significant thing that he could do with his life was bring somebody to Jesus. And I happened to be somebody on his radar. I happened to be somebody in his life. There happens to be somebody in your life just like I was, hurting and broken and lost. It's got your name written on their life. That's the key to you unlocking your destiny. You see, John invited me to youth group many times throughout high school. He witnessed to me many times. And at one opportune time in a low point in my life, Going into the summer after junior year, John invites me once again to youth group. This time, for whatever reason, because he was consistent, because he kept asking. One Wednesday night, I went to a youth group with him. And that one invite rewrote the rest of my destiny. Because a kid just like you Stepped out of your comfort into your calling. See, guys, you can do this. You can pursue one of two things with your life. You can, call, you can pursue your comfort, what's comfortable, what's easy, what's familiar. You can, call, you can pursue your comfort or you can pursue your calling that's many times uncomfortable but significant. You can pursue your comfort or you can pursue your calling, but you can't pursue both of them. Your calling requires you to do things that are hard and uncomfortable and things that you get discouraged from. Don't get played. 
Don't get played by the enemy to tell you that you've invited one time and you might as well give up. You've prayed for months, you might as well give up. Don't give up. Because when you give up, you've been played. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give life and to give it fully. To you, to your friends, to your family, and to the people that you'll have the opportunity to interact with and be a light. The light of Jesus. I'm gonna show you a picture of my graduation. Uh, this is John Ostrander. This is me. Lot different. That's not a fake smile. Man, I, I, I got saved after he invited me to youth group. I, I went to summer camp at Illinois summer camp. Let's go. If you're going, if you're not going, you need to go. I hope you're going. I went to summer camp. I got on fire for God. I lived my entire senior year on fire for God. I, take, I took opportunities all throughout my senior year in speech class and any opportunities I had to share the gospel with people. I invited youth group, I invited other kids to our youth group. When other, when other kids younger than me began to invite their friends to youth group, I would take those eighth grade students under my wing and I'd begin to be, act as a leader to them even though I had no business being a leader. But I knew Jesus and the fire of God was on my heart. And even to this day, I've got relationship with many of those little eighth grade kids that came that were four years younger than me at the time. And in Spanish class, my senior year, I met this beautiful Christian girl. And then a year later, I got married to her. And then a year after I got married to her, I became a youth pastor as a 20-year-old kid Not because I was worthy or not because I had it all figured out, not because I knew a lot about the Bible, but because I was willing. I was willing to go. I was willing to, to work for $50 a month. First opportunity in ministry. Between the time uh, I got saved and the time that I became a youth pastor, God began to burden my heart for my family. My sister was super jacked up, messed up in the head. I mean, I jokingly used to call her the devil because she'd act like it. My sister uh, was way lost. And my heart began to be burdened for her. And I thought, man, what ways can I get her to know Jesus? How can I share the gospel with her? So I had this idea. I'm going to give her this book called The Purpose Driven Life. It was super popular in the early 2000s. And it's kind of making a comeback, I think. But I gave her this book. It was called The Purpose Driven Life. It was, just, it was about discovering who God called you to be. I talked about how we're not accidents and how God is a calling and a destiny on each of our lives and how God loves us and how we're not mistakes. And I got her that book for Christmas. We celebrated Christmas on New Year's, or I'm sorry, uh, Christmas Eve. And so I got her this book. I was excited for the moment she was gonna open this book. I thought, man, this is, gonna, this is it. 
This is how she's going to come to know Jesus. She's going to read this book. She's going to come to know Jesus. She's going to love her brother. And she's going to get delivered from all the demons in her life. She unwraps it as I'm anticipating how she's going to respond, imagining that this is going to go well. She unwraps it. She looks at the front cover, reads it, looks at the back, looks at me, pulls her arm back. She's right-handed. I'm left-handed. She pulls it back, and she throws it across the living room at me while yelling the words, I don't need no effing book. I thought, okay, Jesus, I gave it a shot. I didn't know, but later on, that book found its way on her bookshelf. And just at an opportune time, she picked that book up. She began to read it, but God began to minister to her heart. She began to go to church. She, began, she got saved. She began to read the word. It began to transform her life. It began to take root. She joins uh, my youth team in 2012, just serving cake, doing whatever she could to be a blessing. She grew as a leader. And when I transitioned out of being youth pastor at the end, at the, at the end of, when was that? Was that COVID just messed everything up? August of 2020, my sister, when I stepped out, she stepped into a youth pastor position in Geneseo, Illinois. And she is killing it in a small rural church, being a youth pastor. Her son, who was, grew up without a dad, grew up with my, my, my sister at about the time I gave her that book, he served the Lord. As a 16-year-old kid, he began to take his isomer, his ministry school classes. Uh, just this past February, he turned 20, and he is a credentialed minister, and now he leads a young adult ministry of uh, 40 to 50 young people on Sunday nights, he saved. All because Jonathan Ostrander invited his friend to youth group. All because Jonathan Ostrander decided that he wasn't going to allow him all the times I told him no or I blew him off or I didn't show up to youth group. All the times I told him I didn't think I was good enough to stop him because of just the moment, just in a moment, he invited me to youth group. It changed my life. And from that moment on, a chain reaction happened. Any life change that happens through anything that Katie and I do, we can point back to a young man named Jonathan Ostrander who made the headline in my life by inviting me to youth group. My sister is going to be in heaven because of Jonathan Ostrander. My nephew, who's on fire for God, is going to be in heaven because of Jonathan Ostrander. Anybody I reach, anybody my sister reaches, Anybody that is reached by the people that we reach will make it to heaven because Jonathan Ostrander stepped out of his comfort into his calling, invited his friend Billy Willis to youth group. And today, I thank God for Jonathan Ostrander. 
I wonder whose life and who might be standing in front of a youth group five or 10 or 15 years down the road and somebody says it's because of a you, because your name, I made it to heaven. My friends and my family are gonna make it to heaven. You never know the full impact that you can have by inviting somebody. You don't have to have your life all together to make an impact. I take great courage in all the people I read in the Bible who were very jacked up and very messed up and who had all the reasons and all the excuses why God couldn't use them. And God says, I don't care. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Not by power, not by might, not by human effort, but by my spirit, says the Lord. If God can take a 17-year-old, insecure, lonely, lost kid who was a deep introvert and transform him. He can do it to you and he can do it to your friends. Students, you have a calling and a destiny on your life and it's your friends and it's your family, the people in your life who don't know Jesus that God's called you to reach that have become the keys and the doors for you to reach your calling and destiny. It starts with the ones who are closest to you. In the book of Isaiah, worship team, you can go ahead and come up. In the book of Isaiah, God says, it says this, Isaiah says this, I heard the voice of the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? And Isaiah responds, even with a, maybe even with a little bit of hesitancy, says, God, here I am, send me. If you're willing, God will use your life. If you're willing to step out of your comfort and step into your calling. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Maybe you're here tonight and uh, you know that things between you and God are just off. You don't even know if you and Jesus are on right terms right now. If that's you here tonight, I wanna give you an opportunity. Even if you're online here tonight, if you've been watching, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond. The Bible says we're not saved because of our good works, not because of human effort, but by the mercy and grace and love of God through his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says this, if we will simply confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, if we repent of our sins and turn to him and put our faith in him and not in our own efforts, we can come to God just as we are, we don't have to clean up our lives and then come to Jesus. That all comes later. God does that. It's his work. He just says, come. If that's you here tonight, I want to count to three. And I just want you to slip your hand up. And, and I want to pray with you and lead you in a prayer of repentance and faith in Jesus to either commit or recommit your life to Christ. If you're watching online, just simply say, that's me in the comments below. That's me. I need Jesus. Something to that effect. 
you guys here tonight, on the count of three, that's you here tonight. Just slip your hand up. One, two, three. How many say that's me? I see those. I see that, man. Let's go. Unashamed. See that hand? How many others here would say that's me? Is there anybody else? It's all across this room. Just pray this together with me. Heavenly Father, out loud, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin, my shame, and my guilt. Today, Jesus, I give you my life because you gave me your life. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord, my Savior, and my friend. Come into my life and never let me be the same again. In Jesus' name, I give you my life. The rest of you, here's what I want to do. Would you just stand to your feet all across this room? As we prayed tonight, I prayed for these altars because I believe there's something significant that happens when we step out of where we're comfortable and we step into something new. We step out into our calling and we have a moment with God where he says, you're no longer insecure because you're gonna become secure in me. You've been comfortable and that's what you've had, but now I'm going to give you your calling and I want you to grab hold of it. But God doesn't just shove it down our throats and just say you're gonna do it whether you like it or not. He uses people who are simply willing to follow in the, in the steps of Isaiah and say, God, here I am, send me, use me. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna, I in faith prayed tonight for this to be a sacred space for you to have a moment with God to solidify what he's doing in your heart here tonight. If you would say, I'm willing to go, I'm willing that God would use me, then I wanna invite you on the count of three to find a place across this altar and begin to cry out to God and say, God, give me a burden for my friends. I'm tired of getting played and believing that this life is all there is. I'm tired of being comfortable. I want to step into my calling and I want to see people's lives changed. I want to see my friends come to know Jesus. Here I am, God. I'm willing, not because I have it all together, but because I'm willing that you would use my life. If that's you here tonight, on the count of three, would you find a place at the altar here tonight and create a moment between you and the Lord to say, God, here I am. Send me. Use me. In Jesus' name. One, two, three. Find a place up here. Come on. 
Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Step out of your comfort. Step into your calling. Don't be afraid to get on your hands or your face or your knees and begin to just ask the Lord to come and fill you up afresh and anew with the Holy Spirit and a boldness and a courage to win your friends to Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, pour out your spirit on these young people. God, fill them afresh and anew with your fire, oh God. Cause their hearts to be stirred for you, for your kingdom, God. Cause their hearts to break for lost friends and family, God. Friends and family who are hurting and broken and lost, God. Who need to know that you love them and you care for them, God. Who need to know how you see them, oh God. Father, ignite a fire in each of their hearts, oh God. Cause their hearts to say, God, here I am. Send me. Use me, oh God. Thank you for believing in me, though I may doubt myself at times. Thank you that you've never given up on me. Thank you that you're willing to use people like me. Thank you, Father. Here I am. Send me. Show me what to do. Put the names and faces of friends and family on my heart, oh God, and show me who it is you've called me to reach, oh God. In Jesus' name.